here directing him. So I tell you, I'd rather preach 10 sermons than sing a solo at church. I really would. But thank you, Linwood. I hope you have your Bible and you'll open up to Isaiah 6. Uh, this will probably be the last Sunday that we'll be looking at Isaiah. Uh, remember we started, it's probably been a couple of months ago now with all the different things that we have had going on at the church. But this is the 10th message and I'm saying that simply, uh, folks, I'm being honest as I can be. When we get started on some of this stuff, I have no clue where we're headed and how long it's going to take. And what I mean by that, I'm praying that God is speaking to your heart as well as mine from his word. And these are some powerful, powerful passages of scripture. But let me pray and and we'll, we'll read this chapter, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you that, Lord, you are here with us. God, so often we're distracted by so many things that we encounter every day throughout the week, throughout our lives. But God, I thank you for those moments in which you you come to us and you speak to us. God, I cannot imagine how Isaiah felt when he saw you. And as he heard you speak about the lostness of the world, Father, as he beheld you and the glory of heaven and your glory and even the flaming creatures and heard you call out for someone to go and tell the world that God loves them, I can understand why he would say in that moment, here am I, send me. God, I pray that prayer for myself. I pray that prayer for all of us, that, Lord, we're busy about your work every day. God, help us to see a world around us that, that needs to know the love of God, its creator, and the love of the Savior that died on the cross to separate, that separated, to take away the sin that separated us from you, Father. God, if a billion sermons were preached, it would not be enough to extol and exalt you for who you are and what you've done for us. So just pray, Father, that in these moments is, we read again this chapter in Scripture that the Spirit of God would speak to our hearts and our minds, each and every one of us. And for those that might not yet have trusted Christ as Savior, I pray, Father, that you'll speak in such a way that they would know that you love them and have died for them. And I pray for us as Christians. Oh, Lord, wake us up. We've fallen asleep on the job. We've lost our concern for those around us that are lost. We've lost our concern for the world, and we just think someone else is going to be a witness to them. God, help us to be that witness. Help us like Isaiah to say, Lord, I volunteer. I'll go. I'll speak. I'll serve. I'll magnify you. I'll give you my life. God, help these things to happen in these moments ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Here again, this powerful chapter, Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was sitting on his throne, high and exalted, and his robe filled the whole temple. Around him, flaming creatures were standing, each of which had six wings. Each creature covered its face with two wings, its body with two, and used the other two for flying. They were calling out to each other. Holy, 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 the Lord Almighty is holy. 
His glory fills the world. The sound of their voices made the foundation of the temple shake, and the temple itself became became filled with smoke. I said, there's no hope for me. I'm doomed because every word that passes my lips is sinful, and I live among a people whose every word is sinful, and yet with my own eyes I have seen the Lord, the Almighty God. Then one of the creatures flew down to me carrying a burning coal that he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with a burning coal and said, This has touched your lips. Your guilt is gone and your sin, your sins are forgiven. Have you noticed that up to this point, God has not said anything to Isaiah? It's been a conversation between the burning or the flaming creatures and then Isaiah. But now... The Lord speaks in verse 8. Then I heard the Lord say, Whom shall I send? Who will be our messenger? Let me stop for just a second. Who will be our messenger? In your translation that you're reading, it might read this way. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Just keep that in the back of your mind. Verse 9. So he, the Lord, told me to go and give the people this message. No matter how much you listen, you will not understand. No matter how much you look, you will not know what is happening. Then he said to me, make the minds of these people dull, their ears deaf, their eyes blind, so that they cannot see or hear or understand. If they did, they might turn to me and be healed. I asked, how long will it be like this, Lord? He answered, until the cities are ruined and empty, until the houses are uninhibited, until the land itself is a desolate wasteland. I will send the people far away and make the whole land desolate. Even if one person out of ten remains in the land, he too will be destroyed. He will be like the stump of an oak tree that has been cut down. The stump represents a new beginning for God's people. As we have studied Isaiah chapter 6, we pointed out that there are five stages in this chapter of Isaiah's experience with God. And let me again just point these out, okay? In verses 1 through 4, Isaiah saw the Lord. He is taken into the throne room of heaven and he sees the Lord. Then in verses 5 through 7, he sees himself. He says, Woe am I, for I am a man of unclean lips. You remember when we we talked about this, we talked about how Jesus said, out of the heart, out of the heart proceeds what's really in a man. And out of the heart, it goes to our lips. And folks, it's a very, very powerful, I think, statement that our speech gives a good indication of what's deep down within our hearts. And so Isaiah is saying that he's got sinful lips because he knows that his heart is far from God. And this is where we pick it up this morning, stage three. Isaiah hears, verse eight, Isaiah hears and responds to the call of God. Let me read verse eight one more time, okay? Listen to this. Then I heard the Lord say, whom shall I send? Who will be our messenger? I answered, I will go. Send me. And folks, it's important for us to understand that Isaiah was not called to service until he had been cleansed. You remember after hearing the seraphim's words in verses 3 and 7 that God is holy and, and his holiness fills the earth. Then 
he asks for cleansing, then he hears the Lord's voice. Only after his cleansing was Isaiah commissioned as a prophet. And folks, this passage of scripture reminds us of the great commission of the risen Lord to proclaim the gospel of salvation to all the world. And listen to God's question again. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Now, folks, the question does not mean that God did not know or that God only hoped that someone would respond. God asked the question to give Isaiah, who is now cleansed of his sin, an opportunity for service. And the prophet Isaiah now knows that the entire nation, the entire world needed the same type of awareness of God and cleansing of sin that he had received. Now, let me again, folks, I hope you don't think I'm being nitpicky. Look at this picture. Isaiah has been taken up to heaven, and he has seen the holiness of God. And in reflecting upon God's holiness, he sees his sinfulness. But now he is cleansed by an act of God's mercy and grace. And he realizes that not only does the nation of Israel that he has called out and said, you must turn back to God, you must repent of sin. Isaiah now understands that the world needs the awareness of God and the cleansing of sin that he has received. When people see not only you and me, but the church of Jesus Christ in our day, Do they see a people that are keenly aware of the presence of God and who he is? Do you and I honor God as the Holy One, as the Almighty Creator God? Do you and I praise him because we have been cleansed of our sins by the blood of his Son? And folks, it is very important again to see this picture of Isaiah before he can hear God speak to him about the mission that he has for him. These two things must happen, a keen awareness of God and a cleansing of sin. And folks, sometimes the reason that we're not more busy serving God is because we do not have a keen awareness of the presence of God and a daily sense of his cleansing us from sin. And folks, one of the tragedies in my life and probably yours is we think we get saved on that day and we do and our sins are forgiven, but we forget that we have a constant battle with sin. And that's one of the things that Sean Clark really honed in on this week, wasn't it? That you and I are sinners. The biggest problem we have is ourselves because each one of us is a sinner, even as a Christian. And Isaiah needed to understand this about himself, but he needed to understand also that God had cleansed him, and now he could go out and serve him. But folks, there's something, and this might not mean much to you, but it's a powerful statement to me, and I I just want you to just hear this for just a few minutes. Look very closely, because God says, who will go for us? Who will be our messenger? Who is he talking about? Folks, is this not a reference to the Trinity of God? Who will go for us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as revealed in Scripture? And folks, again, these are some things that we fully can't understand, but God reveals himself as the Father, the Creator God, as the Son, the Redeemer, as the Holy Spirit, the power that indwells within us and enables us to grow in our faith and to serve God and to be a witness for him. 
All of the Godhead is involved in the salvation of mankind and not only is involved in the call of Isaiah the prophet, but in the call of the church of Jesus Christ. I'd never thought about this before, but I want to, Chris is going to pull us up to um, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Matthew 28, thank you, Chris. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All of us know what that is, don't we? We call it the Great Commission. That's what Jesus says in verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of who? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always to the close of the age. Folks, I'd never noticed until a couple of weeks ago. Look at the comparison and the similarity between Isaiah 6 and the Lord's great commission found in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. And let me just point some of these out, okay? In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah sees God. In in Matthew 28, the, the disciples see who? The risen Lord. In Isaiah 6, Isaiah receives the call from God. In Matthew 28, the disciples receive the great commission from the Lord. Isaiah chapter 6, God has authority over all nations because he is seated on his throne in heaven. In Matthew 28, Jesus tells his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah is told by God, go and tell the people of impending judgment if they do not repent of sin, but I love them and I will give them grace. In Matthew 28, Jesus says to the disciples, go therefore make disciples of all nations. In essence, Tell them the story of the gospel. Tell them the story of myself. In Isaiah 6, God says, who will go for us? And I believe what he is telling Isaiah, as you go for me, I'll be involved. The son whom he prophesies about in Isaiah 53. And you remember we read out of John chapter 12 where where John says that Isaiah saw the Lord. And how in Isaiah's book, he talks about how the Spirit of God speaks through him. And Jesus in Matthew 28 talks about baptizing believers in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, lo, I am with you to the close of the age. Folks, what I'm trying to say is this. You and I, like Isaiah, have a calling upon us as the followers of Jesus Christ. In Isaiah chapter 6, only one man is called, Isaiah the prophet. In Matthew 28, the early church, uh, the early disciples, the early church, and in essence, all believers are called to be God's messengers. Stop and think about this for just a second. Never underestimate what God can do through one willing worker. How much do you and I think God can do 
through each one of us. And so often we underestimate the impact that we can have in our world if we simply would follow Jesus. And folks, there's a greater need for laborers in God's kingdom today, I believe, than ever before. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew nine thirty-seven and 38. Listen to these verses. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. South Carolina, I guess it would be two weeks ago now, had one of the worst floods in known history. Eastern North Carolina also had a large amount of rain, and one of one of the bad parts about all of this was that many things were ready to be harvested. Soybeans, peanuts, cotton. Growing up, there were a lot of cotton fields in Sumter County, and, and it was really important that when the bowls began to open and the cotton was was ready to be picked, that it wouldn't be large rainstorms that would come through because it would make the cotton wet and soggy and it would, it would sag outside of the bowl. And a lot of times the cotton picker couldn't pick it and it would just fall to the ground or it would become rotted and it was unusable. You've got to make sure that things are harvested at the right time. And Jesus here is comparing lost souls to a harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Have you and I volunteered to be one of God's laborers? There's a tremendous opportunity for sharing the lost, sharing the gospel with a lost world today. And instead of talking about how bad our world has become, we need to pray and ask God, what part will I play? Will you play? Will our church play in leading others to forgiveness through God's Son, Jesus Christ? Are we willing volunteers? Because you see, here when Isaiah hears the voice of the Lord, He says, here am I, send me. And again, notice, folks, he hears the voice of the Lord. And we need to ask ourselves, what have we volunteered for in the Lord's work? And would you be willing to be a volunteer today? Will the blood of Jesus, will the blood of Jesus not be shared with the world? Therefore, will the blood of the world be upon our hands as Christians and as churches because we had the Lord in our hearts, we had the gospel in our hands, but we refused to respond to the call of God. And folks, this is what I believe this chapter really boils down to. And I want to carry this a little bit farther and, and give me, we're going to have time, I'm sure, but I just want to point some things out. Stage four is God's instructions to Isaiah in verses nine and 10. And, and let me read those, those two verses to you again, verses nine and 10. That's why I wanted you to keep your Bible open. Listen to this. 
So the Lord told me to go and give the people this message. No matter how much you listen, you will not understand. No matter how much you look, you will not know what is happening. Then he said to me, make the minds of these people dull, their ears deaf, their eyes blind, so that they cannot see or hear or understand. If they did, they might turn to me and be healed. What do these verses mean? Did God not want Israel to repent and be saved? What do these verses mean today? Does it mean God does not want the world to repent and turn back to him and be saved? Let me give you what some of the Bible commentaries say about this. Probably Isaiah responding in the way that he did, volunteering to go and serve God, made him think that his serving the Lord would result in national repentance and cleansing. But Isaiah is warned by God that his message would not result in much spiritual response. The people had not listened before and they were not listening now. And the Lord did not delight in judging his people, but it was coming because of their disobedience. And so God told Isaiah that the people would reject his message and remain indifferent to the prophet's call for repentance. In fact, Isaiah's preaching was met with defiance and resistance, and people turned farther and farther away from God. Folks, one of the hardest group people groups, and I'm not being sarcastic, was the prophets. They were maligned, they were ridiculed, they were made fun of, they were even killed because they stood firm for God. Folks, what I'm trying to say, God wants you and I to know that serving him, regardless of the era that we live in, regardless of the generation that we are called to speak to, there will be rejection of the gospel. And God already knew that the people would turn their back on him and then the judgment would come. But then when judgment would come, people would turn and seek God again. And I don't know what God has got in store for us, but let me tell you something. If God sends his judgment upon the world again, don't you think people will be ready to respond? And that's when we need to be ready with the gospel. I'm not wishing anything bad on anybody. But folks, don't you remember 9-11 when the the towers were taken down and the president and the Congress and all leaders were asking the nation to pray? You remember that? It hadn't been that long ago, has it? And folks, I'm afraid that perhaps something tragic is coming upon this nation because we are turning farther and farther away from God. And should you and I as Christians and the church stand up and say, Aha, I told you it was coming. Isaiah could have done that. But he did not. He continued to be faithful to the Lord because, you see, the most important test of our ministry and witnessing for the Lord is not outward success at the moment, but faithfulness to the Lord. And the church of Jesus Christ must not sit back and say, well, I don't care anymore. I'm so discouraged that I'm not going to say anything about Jesus and about the gospel. I'll just come to church, I'll read my Bible, I'll do my praying, and the rest of the world can just go wherever they want to go. You see, again, God didn't give Isaiah much encouragement at that moment. 
Because again, God knew that the people would turn farther and farther away from him. Their eyes would be blinded. Their ears would become deaf. Their hearts would be calloused. And you see, God does not deliberately make sinners spiritually blind, deaf, or hard-hearted. But the more people resist God's word, the less able they are to receive God's word. Does that make sense? And and this is not going to sound very good. My uncle and aunt uh, worked uh, after they got old enough to where they couldn't be sharecroppers. They they worked gathering eggs at a at a at a chicken house, and I'm talking about several chicken houses with probably thousands of chickens. And I'll be honest with you, I thought I had a strong stomach, but it's real hard for me as a young boy to go visit them. And and they worked seven days a week, so we'd have to go down to where they were at, and it smelled terrible. Can you imagine being around that many chickens? I'm, now, I'm being serious. But you know what? The longer you stayed, the less you smelled the chickens. And, folks, I'm afraid that for many Christians in this world that is filling with sin, we're getting so used to it that we just say, don't worry about it. And, folks, again, that's a poor illustration. I, that wasn't in my notes. That just came up. That's a South Carolina illustration. Okay. But folks, God called Isaiah to take a stand. And he's calling you and us to take a stand. And folks, I want to tell you, if it, it's not very popular right now, I don't believe, to be a, be a Christian, is it? Let's be honest. You know, I'm a Christian. Why are you just a hypocrite like everybody else that goes down yonder to that church? I'd rather be a hypocrite in this church bound for heaven, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, to be lost in the world that is bound for hell itself. Okay? That's... Just cutting corners away. But let me ask you something. If you're embarrassed to be rejected, and if you're embarrassed about what we should be standing for, let me point something out. In John 1.11, it says, that's on the screen, Chris, Jesus came to his own, and his own people received him not. Folks, if they didn't receive the Savior, they're not going to receive us until that moment in time in which God convicts them of their sin and their need of the Savior. And folks, that's when we got, we've got to live a life for the Lord in such a way when that moment comes in that person's life, they say, yes, I want Jesus, and I see Jesus in you. I see Jesus in that church. I hear Jesus preach from the pulpit. I hear Jesus sung from the choir. I hear Jesus talked about in the Sunday school classroom because that's the only hope. And here's the bottom line. The only hope is Jesus Christ. But let me say some good words about good old Isaiah. I love Isaiah. Man, he had a tough job. But God gave him a wonderful knowledge of who he is. I can't imagine. Would you have wanted to have been taken up to the throne room of heaven? Let's be honest. Isaiah thought he was a sinner. How about us? But you know what? There was mercy and there was grace for Isaiah. God had great plans for Isaiah. Those did include being rejected, the message being rejected. But can you imagine the moment when Isaiah was given the vision of the Savior that would come in Isaiah 53? 
Can you imagine later on in the book of Isaiah when God gave Isaiah the vision of the new heaven and the new earth? He did. Folks, some of the writings in the book of Revelations fulfill what what Isaiah saw. God, God gave all that knowledge to him. And if Isaiah, I believe, could stand among us today, he would say, regardless of the cost of serving Christ, regardless of what it costs to say, here I am, send me, it will be well worth it. Because God will unveil his glory before his church and before his people. Isaiah had the hard task of saying to the nation, you need to repent. Judgment's coming if you don't. But he had the glorious task of saying, God loves you and God's grace is greater than your sin. As Isaiah 6 closes, you remember that line and out of the living Bible. Let me read that to you. Chris, you don't have to go back to this, but appreciate you going back and forth on the PowerPoint. It says, he will be like the stump of an oak tree that has been cut down. The stump represents a new beginning for God's people. God was not finished with his people. I'll tell you this story and I'll be, I'll be finished. A couple of years ago, we were trying to make the Lord, the, the yard look a little bit more presentable. And a tree had been cut down. I think it had been an oak tree or a sweet gum. And there was only a little bit of the stump sticking up out of the ground. But guess what? it started sprouting out. Last couple of years, we've taken the loppers and cut those sprouts out. thing refuses to die. And that's the way it is with God's church. We might be living in a rebellious era, but God's going to keep bringing new growth. If we'll be faithful, if we'll stand tall for him, he'll bring more people into the kingdom through our witness. Not for our glory, but for his glory. And we've got to stand firm. And we've got to be faithful to the end. And we need to volunteer and say, here am I, send me. Let's pray. Father, these are some very sobering words. Not only to Isaiah, but to us who are believers. God, help us that we would not try to go through the rest of our life and not volunteer in your kingdom's work. We know that you give us that freedom. But God, knowing that there are so many that need Christ today, and there's so much in our world that could be changed by the good news of Jesus Christ and people simply following Jesus and living for him. And seeing all of that, Father, help us to say, as Isaiah did, Lord, I'm here, not much, but Lord, you created me, and surely you've got a plan for me if I will give myself to you. And help us, Father, the volunteer to serve you each and every day. And help us, Father, as a body of believers to say, here we are. Here we are, Lord. Send us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our hymn today is number 423, I Need Thee Every Hour. And that is the truth.
As God speaks to your heart, would you come? Number 423.
grateful and thankful for the blessings you give us each and every day. So Lord, as we have heard the message of Isaiah, so Lord, we give our hearts and we follow the instructions that you have given us and we have purchased to do that we too will be able to have eternal life in heaven. So Lord, we thank you for the new members that are coming to our congregation and dear Lord, to be part of this family, to be more for this part of this people. So Lord, we thank you for that. So Lord, for those that have been lifted up in prayer, Lord, be with us as we lead this building and this sanctuary for those that will be going to Sunday school, the Lord again to learn and study that word. For those that may be leaving the building, Lord, we just know that we depart from this place before we enter your kingdom. Lord, we have the opportunity to share the word that you have given us this morning. We pray for all this in your name we pray. Amen. <coughs>